Well, good morning. All right. We have declared, months ago, we declared the end of miserable church. Jesus is alive and we're all dead. Let's try that again, Howie. How are we all this morning? There we go. It wasn't so difficult, was it? Fantastic. Hey, um, great to have you here this morning. We're going to continue our conversation. God's will is whatever. And, but before we do, just a couple of great uh, faith-building stories that I want to share with you. I shared with our team members this morning. We gather together as team members at 9.30 every week. We pray. We pray for you. We pray for first-time guests. We pray that God moves and speaks to people and uh, make sure that we don't just run laps, but we actually see God's kingdom progress. Speaking this morning with our team members, see these two new air conditioners, and I know we've, we've talked about them on a few occasions and every day with our uh, solar vortex continuing in Perth. We're grateful on a Sunday we come in and we've got new air conditioners that are keeping the temperature cool. Um, just a little update on that is uh, we ordered them about three, four weeks ago, but the back behind the curtain story is that the, the quote we got was for $7,400 and uh, we didn't have uh, any of the $7,400. We had $0 uh, to spend on the air conditioners. And uh, however, um, what I'd been noticing when I was preaching is people actually falling over. And it wasn't from the power of my preaching. It was from the, apart from Regan, who likes hot w- weather, it was just the fact that people were melting. And uh, so we said, look, we're going to take a step of faith. Uh, I contacted the air conditioning company that, that had done the quote. What are the terms? They said the terms are seven days. So after the installation, you have to pay the full amount within seven days. So we didn't have any, any of the amount. And I'm like, yeah, this is not, we, we've got to get these air conditioners. So I said, all right, come in on Wednesday, install them, and we'll have them for Sunday, which we did. Um, and then between Wednesday and, and the seven days after, we'll, we'll trust that God's going to provide the $7,400 so that they don't come and take their air conditioners back. And uh, happy to say that uh, we paid the full amount of the $7,400 within the seven-day terms. God did three separate miracles to make that happen. So how good is that, hey? That's the correct level of enthusiasm. A few weeks ago, we uh, we, we sprung a surprise on you guys. And did a thing we called No Show Sundays. We're all we're No Show Sunday, which essentially nearly all of our teams were a no show on that day. Now, some of you remember that day as No Coffee Sunday, but actually it was No Show Sunday, all right, just to put it in perspective. And what we wanted to do that day, for those of you that weren't here, was remind us, remind our team members, and remind the rest of us why we do what we do, why we serve, why we contribute, why we, we, we get everything ready. It's all about preparing for guests, preparing and honoring and, and creating an environment where guests can come in and hear God's word and, and be exposed to what God's doing. And, uh, and then we made the point that we're called to be contributors, not consumers. Okay, we're the lawn mowing guy, not the person that phones the lawn mowing guy and books the lawn mowing guy. And, uh, and, and we created this model that we launched called Find Your Fit. And it's this idea that each one of us has a sweet spot, has a fit that God has uniquely wired us to be able to serve in a particular way, in an effective way uh, in his kingdom. 
And uh, just a quick update is that from that day, I think it was three weeks ago, we've had eight new uh, people join teams. Now, eight might not sound like a lot to some of you, but in the context of things, I ran the numbers, that's actually a 17% increase in the number of team members here at Elevate Church. So anyone of you that run a business or are in business know that a 17% increase in three weeks is a pretty good metric, right, Stuart? So well done to those eight people. There's still plenty of uh, opportunities. If you haven't got this brochure, Find Your Fit, you can grab that from the front desk, take it home, read. If you've got any questions, let us know, and we really want to help you Find your fit here at Elevate Church. Last week, we kicked off a brand new conversation called God's Will is Whatever. And, uh, and I started teaching last week with a, a, a statement from Augustine, one of the early church kind of theologians, early church thinkers. And Augustine said something, and I, and I shared it with you, and, I, and it spun some of you out. He said, love God. This was his key to finding God's will. Love God and do whatever you please. Which is a staggering thought and was a staggering thought for many of you because of some of what you'd been taught in, you know, church world in the past. For those of you that have been orbiting around churches for some time, it, it seemed kind of incongruent that, that love God, yeah, I get that bit, and do whatever you please. That, that just it sounds a little a little liberal. It sounds a little overly kind of uh, permissive. But actually, Augustine, in making that statement, has distilled down what it actually looks like to find ourselves in and living out God's will. That we are to love God and do whatever you please. Now, Paul. Uh, wrote a very similar thing. And Augustine, you can, you can be sure, would have formed some of his position on making that statement on some of the teachings of Paul. Paul wrote to the church in a place called Colossae. He wrote them a letter, a letter of instruction. And one of the things he wrote to that church in Colossae, we talked about this last week, he gave them the instructions. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Have we got that to put up on the screen, Sam? No, that's, uh, that's last week. Uh, yeah, we're, you're trying to bean-boozle me, are you? Okay, all right. Let me, re- let me re- repeat that, and, uh, and uh, I was going to get us to read it out loud, but let's... Oh, hello. Ah, very good. How about you read this aloud with me? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Paul made this idea clear that we can do whatever we want, Like Augustine said, love God and do whatever you please, providing we're living our lives, we're doing what we do in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. This comes as no surprise. This letter to the, to the church in Colossae, the meta theme of that letter, the, the big idea, if you helicopter up and you look across all of the chapters of this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, the meta idea, the big picture, the thing that he hung his hat on the most is that we are to live a life submitted to Jesus. That was the big idea. Everything in that letter came back to the one central idea that we are to submit everything to Jesus. And if we do that, if we live a life submitted to Jesus and stay within that bandwidth, and I'll explain that a little bit more. I'm kind of recapping last week as well. That's when we can do whatever we please. See, this same letter Paul wrote, we spent the first five weeks of this year actually dropped anchor alongside something else, which had pretty much the same idea. Paul wrote to them, and some of you will remember this, some of you memorized this. Paul wrote to them, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. This idea that we are meant to live our lives submitted, we are meant to live our lives under the lordship of Jesus, not just doing whatever we please, but loving God first and in the boundaries of that, in the parameters of that, doing whatever we please. And that forms the idea of this model that we taught, this, this diagram that we taught last week, that God, his, his will in the bigger picture of things, which is often referred to as his sovereign will, we call the works of God. And these are things that God will do, has done, and will do in the future, whether we like it or not, whether we participate or not. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need us to vote. He's not waiting for us to agree. He's just going to do it because he's God. And he likes to remind us of that, that he is and we're not. And so he does some things sovereignly. He created the, the world without anybody's help. He sent his son Jesus without anybody agreeing. He says, Jesus is coming back, whether we vote for him or not. That's some of this works of God, the sovereign will of God. And our story is found within that story. God's ultimate redemption of the, of the world. We live our lives as players within that story. So within that story is what's often referred to as God's general will. These are the things that we're all as followers of Jesus, all meant to do. We're all meant to love one another. We're all meant to forgive one another. We're all meant to pray. We're all meant to, to give generously. We're all, there's stuff, and these are the ways of God. God's general will, God's revealed will. This is the stuff that we know to do. It's his Bible, God's word. He wrote it. We read it. We do it as we do it. We live our lives within the ways of God. And knowing that, that we're in God's will, if we're in God's way, we formed a very simple conclusion. When you walk in God's ways, you're always in God's will. And that is incredibly liberating when we get that revelation. Those of you that are iPhone users, uh, maybe you've had a few uh, exchanges with Siri, the personal assistant, and uh, she can actually direct you. She can actually be your navigator. So, Tim, 
a friend of ours visiting from Sydney, he's been having Siri lead him around Perth. And uh, it's very simple with Siri. You say to Siri, directions to, and you know, fill in the blanks, so let's just say, uh, directions to, they're, they're living up uh, with family up in Hillary's at the moment, so directions to Hillary's. Um, now, what, what's her nickname for you? She calls him Sexy Pants. He has programmed Siri to call him Sexy Pants. So the response to Tim saying, Siri, directions to Hillary's, she says, Sexy Pants, get onto the Mitchell Freeway and head north, right? Now, the rest of us who live in Perth, we, we know that. It's like, you know. And that's it. Until you get to the, you know, the actual exit unit, that's it. If uh, Sexy Pants says to her, Siri, uh, what lane should I travel in? She, she doesn't have an answer. She will just say, whatever. If you say, well, how fast am I meant to drive? Siri doesn't have an opinion. Whatever. And that's very much how it is with God. When we are on the freeway, when we are going in the right direction, when we are walking and journeying and traveling in the ways of God, we're already Walking in his will. Incredibly liberating. It's often referred to as the freedom of obedience. I shared the analogy with our team members this morning. You take Junior to the park and uh, there's a playground and there's, and there's grass and there's some sand pit over there. And you say, okay, Junior, we're going to just spend like a half an hour here at the park. See, see those logs? They're called copper logs, copper's logs. See those logs? Those logs at the edge of the park. I don't want you going beyond those logs. Okay, Junior, do you have that? Are you clear? Now, within the boundaries of those logs, you can do whatever you please. You can go on the swings. You can climb on the monkey bars. You can build a sandcastle in the sand. You can do cartwheels and tumble turns on the grass. So long as you are staying within the boundaries of the copper's logs, you have the complete freedom to do whatever you want. And this is this picture here, that there is a freedom in obedience. God doesn't ever try to limit us to make life difficult for us. He limits us so that within his ways, we find limitation. We can walk outside of his ways. People do it all the time. And over time, they experience the consequences of disobedience. And it's anything but freedom. So we're to walk in God's ways, but the good news is when we walk in the ways of God, we're always in the will of God. Now, if I was a betting man, I'd be betting that some of you, when we talked about that we were going to talk about God's will, You wanted to zero in on some of the specifics, right? How many, how many confessed that? And you'd feel a little teensy-weensy bit ripped off if all we said to you was God's will is whatever, just the general will. Because some of you want to know the what, the where, the when, the how, right? Well, sucked in. It's not going to happen. Just kidding. 
I'm going to talk about that today, but, but I very, very, very clearly want us to first understand that God is more interested as our starting point and our way of life as being obedient in his ways. You want to get to Hillary's, you get on the freeway, you stay on the freeway. As long as you stay on the freeway, there is a freedom. You can go whatever speed you want. You can get in whatever lane you want. Just keep on the freeway and keep moving. Incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. So question. Now, by the way, I didn't draw this diagram this week. I conscripted the services of someone with far better handwriting than me. Uh, have a look at this. The will of God. We're talking here the ways of God as being the general will of God. Here, this is often referred to as the specific will of God. Or another way of saying it is this is the revealed will of God, revealed in his word. And then within that is the concealed will of God. I don't really like that so much because it, it kind of plays to this idea that God's playing this eternal game of hide and seek with us. And he's trying, as we spoke last week, to, bam, to bean boozle us. And he really isn't. It just, it's, a, it's a no-brainer to think if God's so intent on us doing his will, why would he uh, bother trying to make it so difficult to discover his will? So I don't like the, the, the word, the concealed will of God. I like the word, the specific will of God. Is there a lane that you and I are meant to travel in? Is there a speed that you and I are called to travel at? Is there? Big, big question, important question. I'm going to say this. And again, there's a freedom in this that it's very, very rare and it's more the exception than the norm that God's specific will is a finite assignment at a finite point in time. It does happen. And you read your Bible and you will see story after story, read story after story of people for whom God did have a very specific, very finite assignment. We talked last week about Jonah. God had called Jonah to go to Nineveh to, to, to speak his news, good news of God's love to the people there who were being disobedient. And for that moment in history, God's specific will for Jonah was to go to Nineveh to preach God's love for them. Mary, Mary, teenage girl, at one point in history, God had a specific will for her, you are going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. It's going to happen. That's, that's your specific assignment. So it, it does happen. But it's not the norm. And it's not something we need to get tangled up about. In fact, instead, and the book that I've used to inform these few weeks of teaching is this book, The Will of God as a Way of Life. That actually, instead of being so hung up on thinking that God's will is one specific point, and if you miss that, you've missed it all. Which is an incredible amount of pressure, if that was true. I think some of us would do nothing. Just purely paralyzed by the fear that maybe we'll miss the point. And I said last week, you know, some of us have been taught that there's, a, there's only one person we could marry. God's will is... No. And you can listen to the podcast, and I, and I gave you my kind of rationale for that. And Beryl got a mention. She's not here again. I'm going to mention her again. Stand by, Johan. I'll figure out a way to work Beryl into this message. 
Oh, yeah, I'm going for it, mate. She worry. She's home making Buddhavors. It's Buddhavors Day at his house. Well, I, she, I mean, it's preaching day at God's house. That's all I can say. All right. If, for the most part, the will of God is more about a way of life and not a specific, finite point, for the most part, if that's the case, isn't there a lot of freedom in that? Don't you think? A lot of liberty in that? And there is. However, sometimes a growing range of options can be incredibly burdensome. See, Louis's uncle, one of her uncles back in the village that her dad grew up in, tiny little village, he lives a pretty subsistence lifestyle. He's in his late 60s now. He's lived a pretty, well, sorry, early 70s now. He's, he, he's lived a subsistence lifestyle all his life. He works seven days a week. He gets up when the sun rises. He goes and tends his little farm and, and they make all their own cheese and every, you know, all this and that. <laughs> he doesn't have many options in here and the will of God for him is, is actually very simple. For us, there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of options. We, we can travel places. We can relocate our families. We can, we can change jobs. We, we can, there's, there's websites where you can even sell your children. I'm not suggesting you should, just saying you could. I remember a few weeks ago, uh, we had my parents coming over for, for a Sunday lunch. And um, my mother, being of British extraction, uh, she likes to have two cups of tea after her meal. Every meal, two cups of tea with a dash of milk. No sugar, just milk. Two cups of tea, dash of milk. Now, the problem is we don't drink milk. So there's no milk in our house. There hasn't been for years. And I'm like, must remember to go to the store and buy milk. So, Vicky, I went to our local Woolworths kilometer from our house. I'm there probably every other day. We kind of shop Euro style. I went to the Woolworths and I walked up to the customer inquiry counter and I said to the sweet young lady there, excuse me, do you sell milk? (laughs) I'd never seen it there. I'm there every second day. I'd never seen milk. She looked at me like, she looked at me all right. It's like, it's Victoria Park. It's like, yeah, we get people like you quite a lot. I'm like, what? See, the milk section is over there behind the fruit and veg section. I'm like, I've walked past there thousands of times. I've never once seen the milk section. All right. Off I toddle. You're not going to believe this. There is, there is an entire wall of upright fridges full of milk. At the supermarket. It's unbelievable. This whole new corner of the universe opened up for me that very moment. It was amazing. But I'm like, do you know how many types of milk there are? I just want milk. Milk. Well, what sort of milk do you want? Like, you know, the white stuff. Like, from the cow. Well, do you want A2? What? What does that even mean? 
Sometimes the range of choices we have, we think is actually freedom. It can actually be quite constricting. Now, Google are uh, releasing some wearable technology called Google Glass. And I've got a little, I've got a little picture of that, Sam, and we still being boozled. You're being boozled? I hope it's booger. <laughs> only, those, only those of you here last week will understand that. So, <laughs> Johan? All right, all right, all right. Well, you're lucky you weren't here, mate, because you were the first person I was going to get to volunteer. We're going to get a South African. We had to get a Zimbabwean, one of your neighbors. So anyway, still worked. So Google are, re- are releasing this wearable technology called Google Glass. And uh, it's kind of this idea that you can have like the internet in and, and a little viewer window and you can speak to it and it'll pull up search engines or maps and all sorts of stuff and whatever, whatever. Um, as a church uh, came up with this clever idea of what if there was a, a product called God's Will Goggles? And I'll show you what life might, a day in the life of you or I wearing a set of God's Will Goggles. think would you buy a pair of them make life easy wouldn't it unfortunately as far as i'm aware google are not yet progressing to a pair of god's will goggles they know a lot about the universe but they don't always know what god knows so what filters and i'm gonna have to really rush through this but what filters what are some what are some kind of angles of view that we can look through to actually discover or, 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 or narrow in from God's general will into God's specific will for us. Well, one of them is 
other people, the influence of others. Heard a story a few weeks ago, and I was sharing it with Louis uh, during the week. This guy, Sydney guy, uh, not being prejudiced against Sydney people, Tim. Sydney guy named Jared. And uh, Jared has a friend in the U.S., and uh, a couple of years ago, Jared wanted to visit his friend in the U.S. And so he got, you know, booked the, the, the air uh, ticket, and uh, he flew over uh, to the U.S. to where uh, Jared lived. And the idea was that Jared was going to come and pick him up from the airport, and that, that they would meet at the baggage carousel, and that he would um, go with his friend. And so Jared arrives into uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, he's standing at the baggage carousel, and the, and the, the luggage starts to come down the chute, and, and, uh, and he, he's, he's waiting to see his suitcase, but he couldn't see his friend. And so he phoned his friend, and he said, hey, listen, it's Jared here. I just you know, arrived, flew in from Sydney, halfway around the world. Uh, I'm here uh, at the airport. I'm at the baggage carousel like we, like we all arranged. Um, where are you? And his friend says, well, well I'm at the baggage carousel too. Uh, where are you? Which, which carousel are you at? And Jared says, oh, I'm at carousel number four. And his friend says, there is no carousel number four. What airport are you at? And he says, well, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. And his friend says, yeah, but I live in Cleveland, Tennessee. And Louie, being very empathetic, she felt sorry for Jared. I, on the other hand, did not. And to this day, I still do not. Because Jared is a moron. Well, don't you laugh because you and I do this sort of thing all the time. We make all sorts of decisions, including some major decisions, without consulting people who have gone ahead of us. We do it all the time. We're morons too. We absolutely, there are, if you're going to fly halfway around the world, wouldn't you at least check with your friend which city he lives in, which state he lives in, what's the name of the airport, before you even book the ticket, let alone arrive at the baggage carousel? But the problem is, we do that all the time. There are people in our worlds who have gone ahead of us. There are people in our worlds with more experience than us, more wisdom than us, whose lives are bearing more fruit than ours are. And yet too often, too many of us commit the heinous crime of not tapping that wisdom, not tapping that experience, not drawing down from them the principles that saw them and sees them bearing the fruit in that particular aspect of life. One of the reasons for this <clears throat> is that too many of us, we actually lack deep-spirited friendships. I mean, you could have a thousand Facebook friends. That's not where you're going to draw wisdom from. Wisdom's going to come from deep-spirited relationships. People who know you well. People who know what makes you tick. People who know what ticks you off. People who know some of your dreams, some of your strengths, some of your limitations. People who are going to speak life. People who are going to speak honestly, in love. And we live in an 
increasingly in a culture where we don't cultivate those sorts of relationships. We, we, we talk about refrigerator rights. These, these people in our world that, that know us so intimately and are so transparent and so vulnerable with us and us with them that when we go to visit them, we can just open the fridge, help ourselves, and that seems normal. We have refrigerator rights. These, these days, I upped the stakes a few weeks ago and talked about Wi-Fi access, that you know you've gone to another level in, in friendship when you walk into someone's house and your devices automatically connect. Uh, we're taking our team leaders and hosting a barbecue this afternoon at uh, Baden and Jill's house, and Baden has promised me that today he's going to give me Wi-Fi access. We're going deeper. The bromance is growing. But we don't have those sorts of, 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 of relationships, too many of us. And, and here's the kind of one-two punch. The one-two punch is the amount of choices that we have is proliferating at a rate of knots that we can't even comprehend some days. And we're trying to navigate through them and determine this kind of idea of God's specific will for our lives in the absence of wise counsel, in the absence of people who know us well, who know us deeply, who are doing life with us. And we make these decisions in isolation and wonder why we end up at Cleveland, Ohio, when God was getting us, trying to get us to go to Cleveland, Tennessee. We do this sort of thing all the time. We have to access the wisdom of others. One of the most important decisions that you could make this year is to join an Elevate group. And we're launching them in term two. You'll hear about that in the run-up. And I know some of you have already got your hand up ready to jump in. Fantastic. But we run them because this is not the whole picture. Just coming for an hour on a Sunday, lining up in rows and looking at the front of my face and the back of everyone else's head is not the full picture. This is a part of the picture, but there's a whole other side of the picture of doing life together in circles, face to face, building trust, building deep-spirited friendships, getting refrigerator rights and Wi-Fi access as a metaphor for making sure that when we make navigational decisions, that we'll do them in the context of the wisdom and influence of others. Another filter that we can look through is situations of life. Some of you, by virtue of your situation, it's quite obvious what you could be doing. If you have the capacity to earn large amounts of money, then guess what? God's will for you is to give large amounts of money. It's a no-brainer. Some of you that uh, have clocked up a few more uh, birthdays than others, one of your opportunities that life presents to you is to actually invest into the next generation coming through. And we're big on that. There's a book written... Uh, a few years ago, called Reaching People Under 40 Whilst Keeping People Over 60. And this was written to church leaders. This kind of magic puzzle. How, is that even possible? And if it's possible, how do you do it? How, how could you possibly have a church where you reach people under 40 while keeping people aged over 60? And... Uh, 
Lots of church leaders around the world have tried to crack this code. I, I, and they've done all sorts of things. They've, 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 you know, throw up 25 different styles of music and you can kind of choose which one you want in that auditorium or at that time of the day is the, is the organ. And then, you know, 8 a.m. and then at 9.30 we, we put the organ away and we bring in the drum kit and then, and then, 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 we, t- then we take the drum kit and, and, and then out and we add in a, a DJ machine at 11 o'clock and, and we swap the, the coffee for Mountain Dew and, 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 and Pepsi Max. And, uh, and this author of this book, Reaching People Under 40 Whilst Keeping People Over 60, made a very simple and profound observation that the code isn't about style of music and style of dress and what color the walls are. The code is to actually cast vision for those over 60 to see the remainder of their days as being ordained by God to invest into those under 40. And I love that. I love that. Some of you, God's specific will for your life. In fact, I'm going to say this for just all of us is to actually invest into the next generation just by virtue of our journey to now. Another way God uh, helps us find our specific will is by the leading of his Holy Spirit. Some of you, I'm guessing, have heard teaching about open and closed doors that that if the door's closed it means god doesn't want you to go in and if the door's open that's a clear sign that god does want you to go in right interestingly that is in the bible paul had some situations where the circumstances were such that he that the door was shut and so he said yep at least right now it's not god's will to go through and then there's other times where the opportunity presented itself and the door was wide open and Paul said, yep, great, door's open, we're in. But then there are other times when the door's closed and God's will is for us to bash it down. <laughs> and then there are other times when the door's wide open and God's will is for us to not go through it. <laughs> Confused much? So how do you reconcile all of that? Doors open. Is it God's will to go through or not? I don't know. Doors closed. Is it God's will for us to not go through or to break it down? I don't know. Well, there's two final authorities. The one is the leading of God's Holy Spirit. And as much as we need to cultivate relationships with other people, we need to cultivate a relationship with God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is a person. God's Holy Spirit has a voice. God's Holy Spirit lives inside of us and can guide us in every situation, every single day, as and when we cultivate the ability to listen to his leading. So when we get to the open door, We have a sense from listening to God's Holy Spirit, should I go through that or not? When the door's shut, should I back away or bash it down? What's God's Holy Spirit saying? And then the big, 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 big filter, big filter is the Word of God. 
that we actually need to look at every situation, big decisions, with some big fat Bible goggles on. And look at everything through the perspective of God's word. Because God never contradicts his word. God will never, ever, ever, ever call you or I to do anything outside of here. Ever. Ever. Jesus said it this way. He just finished preaching, teaching a crowd. And he said to them, and this is true of everything that Jesus taught. It's true of God's word in its entirety. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, like Beryl, you thought I'd forgotten. That's not really what she does. It was just my last chance to work her into this message. If you use, just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. God's word isn't meant to be peripheral. We are meant to. We have to. If you want to understand God's specific will, you have to. We have to become familiar with his general will and not just be familiar with it, but position ourselves inside and stay inside. And just as if you're walking in the ways of God, you're already in the will of God. It's also true that if you're walking in the ways of God, he will use that to lead you into his specific will, which is not necessarily a fixed point, but a way of life. There's more than one, for most of us, there's more than one career that God can use us in. There's more than one suburb. There's more than one city that we could live in and still be in the will of God. It's a whole lot of freedom in that, but it's a freedom within the copper's logs, a freedom within some boundaries. We're going to continue this conversation next week, talking about some of the specifics of how we apply what God's speaking to us about. The last thing I want to do this morning is just give you an opportunity for those of you that have never made a decision to actually submit your life to Jesus. And I said this right at the beginning, that, the, that God's will, his most primary objective is for you and I to first submit our lives to him and then to stay submitted, stay in that place, stay following him, stay with him as our Lord. And Lord's kind of a funny word these days. Say boss. The idea being that 
we live according to his ways. Well, some of you may have never actually started that journey. You may have not actually taken that first step of saying, Jesus, I want to submit my life to you. I want to follow you. I want to make you my Lord. Well, we're going to give you that opportunity to do that right now. Just as we close, it's the last thing we're going to do today. It's the most important thing we're going to do today. For those of you that have never made that first decision to make Jesus your Lord, to say, I want to live submitted to you. What I want you to do in a moment is just put your hand up. And when you put your hand up, I'll see it. You can put it down. And you're just saying, God, that's me this morning. That's the decision I'm making. I need to take that next step to make you my Lord, to follow you, to be submitted to your ways. So right now, for those of you that have never made that decision, just slip your hand up real quickly. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're just going to pray real quickly. We're going to pray. I don't want to miss anybody. We give people this opportunity every single week because we don't ever want to leave here without giving people the opportunity to make this most important decision. So real quickly, I don't want to miss anybody. Okay. Well, guys, I say this most weeks. We've got to keep trusting that God wants to use us to see people to come to know him. We've got to keep making sure that we are the church 24-7. And we go from this place connecting with, engaging with, and investing in people that don't yet know him. So let's be about that. Let's get on mission and stay on mission.